Our theme today is Tremendous Truths from the Parable of the Great Feast. Tremendous Truths from the Parable of the Great Feast, Part 2. Would you please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 22. Chapter 22. This is actually a third message in our series on Tremendous Truths from the time period of when Jesus Jesus rode into Jerusalem for that last week before the crucifixion and resurrection. We've been discovering incredible truths from the Word of God as to what happened and what was said in that last week. And this parable holds so much for us to discover. Here it is, Matthew 22. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out, go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. That's interesting, isn't it? Good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Verse 11. But when the king came in to meet the guests... He noticed the man who, was, who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen." Now, in the message last week, we discovered our wonderful truths from the first verse up to about verse 10. And today, we're going to focus on verses 11 through 14. If anyone wants to further reflect upon last week's message, you can access it on our website. Now, we come to the following truths that, in my mind, are also tremendous And they're soul-searching, and they really make a difference in your life and mine. And so the first truth I want to direct your mind to is this. You and I have to submit our will to the will of Jesus, King of Kings. You and I must submit our will to the Lord. Now, some of, some of you are thinking to yourselves, I certainly agree with you, Pastor Nick, but where in the world did you get that truth from, from the parable 
of the great feast. How in the world do you see that? Now stick with me. It's, I, think, I believe it's, it's exciting as this truth hit me. We get this truth from verses 11, 12, and 13. All right? Look at it in verse 11. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now think about what we just read. I want to be honest with you and say, when I first read those verses, I said, Lord, what, what in the world are you trying to teach us here? What in the world are you trying to teach us with these three verses that we just read? I was confused Because, obviously, the king got very upset with a man who wasn't wearing some fancy wedding clothes. He he wasn't wearing his Sunday's best, if there was such a thing. You know what I mean? Now, what made it even more difficult for me to understand is that in verses 9 and 10, just before we come to verse 11, in verses 9 and 10, the king earlier said, uh, said to his uh, invitation team, the people who went out to invite everyone, the king said, now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find. Okay, now stick with me, stick with me, and I believe in a moment, you, you're, well, soon you're going to have what I call an aha moment. Can you say aha with me? Aha. Okay, when you get it, just go, aha, oh, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Lisa, at least you do it for me, okay? You know, just be a little blessing to me, okay? I, I, I always get blessed because Pastor Lisa sits in the front row. I tell all of our other pastors, do you know why I sit in the front row when you're preaching? They say, why? Because I want to be a blessing to you. When people sit in the front row, it's just an extra blessing. That's all. I, I got to give an extra blessing to Pastor Lisa in some way. Okay? All right. Uh, read, read verse 9 and 10. Read verse 9 and 10. Here, here's what it says. The, uh, the, king, the king is speaking. He says, now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. This is the uh, New Living Translation. Go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. I'm glad someone got an aha moment already. Okay, now verses 9 and 10 create the distinct impression that these guests had been, had been rushed from streets and street corners to the wedding hall where the food was ready. Is that right? Okay, so you're with me. Now, think about it. Most of them, most of them would not have had time to go home to change their clothes into fancy wedding clothes. 
Furthermore, most of these dear people going to the banquet would have been very poor and most likely would not even have been able to afford to buy beautiful clothes to dress up for a great wedding celebration. So the question remains. The question remains. It appears all the wedding guests were wearing some kind of a beautiful wedding gown or robe, wedding robe, except this one man. How could that be? Think about it. How could that be? Well, I have to give credit to a Dr. William Hendrickson who helped me figure out what was happening here. And, and by the way, some, some weeks or a few months ago, our wonderful pastor Lisa did an excellent, uh, an excellent lesson on a Wednesday evening Bible study, and she, she got into some of this truth. But I, 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 as I wrestled with what was happening in this passage of Scripture... I discovered that Dr. Hendrickson was writing some things in his, in his book uh, that, that really helps us to understand what's going on here. Dr. Hendrickson was an excellent Bible scholar in the 1900s who wrote a commentary on the Gospel of Matthew that is actually over a thousand pages, okay? Just for your interest, it's over a thousand pages. And Dr. Hendrickson describes how various kings and some rich people in Bible times actually had beautiful robes. They had beautiful robes made for however many guests they invited to a wedding or whatever special dinner celebration they were having. So they had these special clothes or these robes made for all their guests. And then as the wedding guests arrived, they were each handed a beautiful robe, or perhaps they were allowed to choose the robe which they most liked. The guests would put, put the robe on, and then they would be seated. This was the way it worked. Now please look at verse 12 again, which says this, and it's up on the big screen. Verse 12, friend, he, the king, asked to this man who didn't have the robe, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Think about it. Why did the man have no reply? Why didn't he say, sir, I'm too poor. I don't have fancy wedding clothes. Why did he say that? Why didn't he? The reason is because when he arrived at the wedding, he was handed. He was given a beautiful robe to wear, but he refused to wear it. Excellent student. A plus. He refused to wear it. Dr. William Hendrickson, in just a few months, I will give you your doctor of ministry. <laughs> She's working on the doctor of ministry. Now, Dr. William Hendrickson says, 
in an attitude of self-satisfaction and defiance. He, that is this one guest, he had marched to the table where he was presently reclining. Most likely, that man, that guest, had the attitude of, Hey, you want me at this wedding celebration? Well, if you want me here, I'll wear what I want, if I want, when I want to. That was the problem with this gentleman. His attitude most likely was, you want me here? Okay, I'm here, and I'll wear what I want, if I want, when I want. Some of you are thinking of some people right now, aren't you? Hmm. Now, what was, what was the response of the king to this man? Verse 13, look at it on the big screen. The response, this is the New Living Translation response was, Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, personally, I think the king's response was too extreme. Okay? How many of you think the king's response was too extreme? Just put your hand up. How many of you? This is, this is not going to determine how holy or unholy you are. Okay? How many of you think the king's response was, was too, too, too severe? Uh, um, how, many of you, how many of you don't think it was too severe? Well, it looks like we're, I don't know, half and half. Well, anyway. Okay, half of you think it wasn't too extreme. You're on Pastor Lisa's side. The other half, you're on my side, okay? All right. Now, if, if I had been the king, if I had been the king, the harshest words I probably would have said would have been something like this. I would have said, sir, I'm so happy you came to the banquet. And I really want you to stay. But for this special occasion, we do have a dress code. Could you please wear one of the robes? Please wear one of the robes that we are providing for you. Obviously, that's what we want. Otherwise, it would be best if you would kindly leave voluntarily. Now, that's probably what I would have said. In the parable, however, (laughs) verse 13 says, Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, understand, sometimes in parables, the message goes to an extreme to really get across how serious an issue is. Okay? Remember now, who does the king symbolize or represent? The Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, God himself, in this case, Jesus, God in the flesh. And why is the king being so harsh? Why is the king being so harsh? Because the man who was not wearing the wedding clothes wanted to attend the wedding feast, but he did not want to submit. He did not want to submit. He did not want to surrender his will 
to the will of the king. That's what I'm talking about, folks. Uh Uh-huh. What Jesus is saying to us through verse 13 is, you and I have to submit our will to the will of the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what he's saying. And so the question is, have you done so? Have I done so? Have you done so, those of you on the main level here? Have you done so, friends up in the balcony? Have you done so, radio listeners? Have you submitted your will to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's that's what these verses that come across as very, very demanding. That's what the Lord is communicating to us. There's another very important Bible verse in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, which says, Submit yourselves then to God. That's the New International Version translation. Or New Living Translation says, So humble yourselves before God. To submit or to surrender Surrender ourselves to the Lord involves a lot of humbling, doesn't it? It involves a lot of humbling ourselves. Will you submit? Will you surrender your will to the Lord and His will? There's a beautiful hymn which captures this truth. There are, there are many other hymns, songs, worship songs, whatever you want to call them, choruses. But one of my favorites that captures this truth says, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting Yielded and still. Second verse says, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. And the last verse says, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. In other words, absolute control, Lord, over me. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Isn't that beautiful? And then someone else wrote a, a, a wonderful chorus, says... It says, not my will, but thine. Not my will, but thine. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord, in me. May thy spirit divine fill this being of mine. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord, in me. Wow. 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 
Will you and I make the words of that hymn and that chorus our heart's desire, our earnest prayer? We must submit our will to the will of Jesus, King of Kings. Let's go back to our Bible verses in Matthew 22, 11, 12, and 13. Once again, we're focusing on them. So we just discovered that these verses are teaching us to submit our will to the will of Jesus. What else are these verses communicating to us? What else? Here's what else they're saying. This is our second main truth. You and I need to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. This truth comes from the fact that the clothes which the king wanted the wedding guests to wear were clothes which the guest himself, the guest himself could not provide to make himself acceptable at the wedding feast. The guest needed to accept the clothes, which was basically a beautiful robe. He needed, he needed to accept and put on the robe which the king provided. And the guest could not pay his way. He couldn't pay his way or earn the right to be at the wedding feast. The guest needed to accept the gift of the robe to allow him to attend the wedding celebration. In like manner, you and I need to also be clothed. Be clothed. But in our case, we must be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Amen? Romans 3.22 says... The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 declares, read it out loud with me from the big screen. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that's the New International Version. For your interest, the New Living Translation, same verse, says this. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The Apostle Paul summarized it very beautifully when, when he said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Together, read it, would you? I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Amen? To be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus means you and I recognize that we become righteous. That is, we become right with God through faith in Christ, the one who is totally righteous, the one who is totally pure and holy. 
Amen. And Romans chapter 5 verse 1 declares, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And so today, my friends, I invite you to be clothed. I invite you to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we've discovered how you and I have to submit our will to the will of Jesus, the King of Kings. That was our first truth. And we've discovered how you and I need to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. The matter of the king insisting that everyone at the wedding banquet wear wedding clothes has some further significance. And it leads us to this third truth, which is this. You and I need to become more beautiful on the inside. We have to become more beautiful on the inside. And this again comes from verses 11, 12, and 13. You see, when you and I accept the Lord's invitation to come to the wedding feast, there is a sense in which we need to begin. We need to begin to allow the Lord to change our internal, to change our internal wardrobe, our internal makeup. And perhaps this is best stated by Colossians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14, where we read this. Read it with me in unison. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Raven, for getting these slides so correct. It's not always easy to type everything correctly. But here is, here is a passage of Scripture that tells us how the Lord wants us to be clothed. And it's really talking about inside of us because you can see it. He says, clothe, your, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And so the question is this. How is your internal makeup. We have to get things right internally in preparation for eternity. Amen? Are you and I needing to allow the Lord's Spirit to fill our hearts, to fill your heart in new measures, with tender-hearted mercy, 
and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, forgiveness, and love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Well, there we are, my friends. Let us, let us submit our will to the will of Jesus. Let us be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Let us become more beautiful on the inside by allowing his spirit to transform us. If you look at, in your Bible, verse 14 of Matthew 22 says something like this. Verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? I believe it means this. The Lord invites everyone, everyone to his eternal banquet celebration in heaven. And to be a part of the family of God right now. He invites all of us to this marvelous celebration. But ultimately, he chooses you who submit your will to his will. Those who decide to be clothed with Christ's righteousness. And you are willing, we are willing to allow the Lord to make us more beautiful on the inside. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the tremendous truths that we're able to glean from some verses which at first may puzzle us, may even confuse us. But Lord, when we get a hold of what you're communicating here in verse 11, 12, and 13, it indeed causes at least me to say, wow, wow. I must respond. I must act upon these truths. I must say, yes, Lord, I want to submit my will to your will. Yes, Lord, I want to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And yes, Lord, I want to experience the transforming grace of your spirit inside of me, inside of us, to make us more and more into the beautiful people you want us to be. Impact our lives with these truths, Lord. Whether we're sitting here in the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Sanctuary or listening by radio or listening on the internet, Lord, may you transform each one of us. Let it happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.